What's up, everybody? It's Preston with The Call for Service. Welcome to episode two. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about responding to mental, mental health and uh, emotionally disturbed person calls. Um, this is something that we as police officers respond to often every day. Um, and we just kind of want everybody to understand what that looks like, what that feels like for us, and uh, kind of walk everybody through um, what those calls do to us and our goal in responding to those. Um, just like last time, I have Jake and Josh here with me. Um, they've responded to a whole lot more of these than I have, so we're going to get right into it. Um, and we're going to start off just talking about responding to those calls. What's up, everybody? Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Um, so, Josh, I see that you have prepared a little snippet from an article. I sure so did. If you would like to read that to kind of get us started. Sure. Uh, so, in an article written by Linda Teplin, professor of psychiatry and director of psycholegal studies program at Northwestern University Medical School, she stated that officers who encounter an irrational person creating a disturbance have three choices. Transport that person to a mental hospital, arrest the person, or resolve the matter informally. It's very well written. Um, thank you, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I want to say, do you guys agree with what she said? Do you have anything to add to what she said? Or, or what is your take on what she said? Or, this is strictly, or, like, just your opinion. Yeah, originally, when I read that article... I thought that there were more options, but looking back, it's really categorized into that. Because usually they have some sort of paperwork saying they have to go to the hospital. It's a hospital option right there. Or if they're beating something up with like a stick or whatever, crime. Unfortunately, even with the mental illness, they have to take a ride to jail. And informal options, still trying to think about maybe like, ideas of what that would be what that i think would look i mean like. i think a lot of the times we handle it quote unquote informally and i wouldn't say that means unprofessionally but with the amount of mental health um issues whether it's and we'll get into this but whether it's drug induced whether it's long-term mental health issues um whether it's like uh, an, a new onset thing like ptsd or something like that a lot of times we do handle it informally think about how many times somebody walks up to you and says uh, the, the people that are following me and, and, and I'm seeing these things and you ask them the, the questions that we ask, like, well, do you like a ride to the hospital? No, no, I just, I, I want somewhere to spend the night. Well, would do you, are you feeling like hurting yourself or anybody else? We can't, I mean, those people have rights. We can't just take them. We talked yeah. about that last episode. So informally it would be like, well, all right, would you like a ride to the mission? Mm -hmm. Or this is the address for the, for the mission. Um, there's missions all over the country, Josh. <laughs> Um, so a lot of the times we informally would be just guiding that person in the right direction or being like, all right, well, do you, can I help you with anything? No. Good day. So that would be kind of like the informal way. I think, Make a um, good point. I think, you know, you said, unfortunately, a lot of times we do have to arrest them. I think we do a very good job of talking to the victims of maybe the crime that the mental person committed or speaking with higher ups and just saying like, look, this is the issue. He's in crisis mm. and not pursuing it criminally. If the, if the crime wasn't egregious, obviously some property crime or, or a theft, um, handling that in the, in the way of getting them treatment or help from our observations and not just taking that person to jail. Cause jail is not going to solve that issue. You know, 
Do you guys think, and this is just a thought that I had kind of talking about informally and stuff like that. Do you think that we are somewhat desensitized to these types of calls? Because think about how often we get them, right? So I'm just sitting here thinking like maybe people are abusing our services and kind of like relying on them. And so it makes me think like maybe we are a little desensitized to our approach and how we handle these types of calls. No, uh, I mean, I wouldn't personally, I don't think I'm desensitized to them. Maybe it's because I'm still pretty early in my career. Um, but I would, I would say maybe the other direction for me, I like try to, if, if I feel like somebody and their family's abusing us, um, I try to address that. And then, I mean, I also try to look at it from like, is this a mental health crisis or is this, um, is this special needs? Like, is this a mental disability? You know, cause when you respond to like a crisis and emotionally disturbed person, that doesn't, that doesn't include something like maybe autism or uh, down syndrome. Like that person has a, a mental disability, um, in the fact of like, they are special needs. So I wouldn't say I'm desensitized to it. I would say maybe the opposite of like, I try to handle it case by case and um, address like the, the main issue. Is this from drugs? Is this PTSD? Or is this like person special needs? I think it's easy to get des desensitized just based off how the volume of calls that we get for people with mental health issues. But I think today during work, we had four calls for people with mental issues going on. And I know when I go on a call, I'm always thinking about, is it really a mental issue? Is it, like you said, is it drug-induced? Or is it someone just, depending on the time of the month, is it someone just trying to get get their money, a paycheck from it? You know what I'm saying? And that's, I mean, that's not un uncommon. Uncom that's not uncommon for people to, like, abuse their family, like, mental illness. They like they'll abuse that and they'll exploit it. Um, so real quick, what is like for us to get a call for service that involves a mental patient is we get very limited information, right? So basically, it's like we get a call for service. Oh, you have a mentally disturbed person at such and such a location, right? So we're on our way there. We're trying to get more information, and a lot of times the person calling doesn't necessarily know the person or know their diagnosis or went to the doctor with them. So we have very limited information. So a lot of this stuff is just off of our knowledge and we're just going based off of the training, our experiences, stuff like that, trying to diagnose this person almost while we're on scene. And I mean, we're not doctors, but we have an, understanding like myself i've taken the it's like 40 credit hours i think with the department we have a certain class that we take we're trained we go to these mental facilities and we talk to doctors we talk to physicians we figure out um what we get introduced to like these different mental um states these different uh mental capacities and stuff like that so there is training that goes into it, but a lot of times it's us diagnosing somebody when we get to the scene and trying to handle it appropriately. Yeah. Um, I think, 
and and just so y'all know when we keep saying something like is this drug induced um long-term drug usage especially in the amphetamines uh line of drugs um or the the cocaine based drugs like crack cocaine but really you'll see it a lot with like methamphetamines um it can create a certain state of paranoia so i, I think y'all would probably agree a lot of the calls we get they're like yeah they're bipolar schizophrenic like that's like kind of the go-to term. Um, sometimes we're dealing with psychosis. Sometimes we're dealing with paranoia, um, which can present like schizophrenia. Or sometimes it really is just like straight paranoid schizophrenia. Um, but long-term drug usage, I know I've, I've had a, a few people that I've come in contact with, and they'll say things like the gray, the black, and the white cars keep following me. Um, they're from the CIA. I'm being followed. And, you know, you try to talk to them, and it's not getting anywhere, and you ask them, all right, When's the last time you used? You're not in trouble, but when's the last time you used narcotics? Man, I don't, I don't use narcotics. Okay, you talk to him a little bit longer. Look, man, I'm, you're not in trouble. I'm trying to help you out. The more honest you are with me, the better, I, the better help I can find you. When's the last time you used? This more. Okay, all right. Now we're getting somewhere. Look, man, I think you're dealing with this. I'm not, try, I'm not saying you're lying. I really do believe this is true for you, but I think you're dealing with this. Let's go get you some help. And, and people will like, the people will kind of buy into that. Um, but responding to the, the, the mental health calls, you don't know you, a lot of times you don't know it. And I'm surprised every day Like we deal with them yesterday y'all or today y'all had four the day before that y'all had, I don't even know how, or we had, how many, I don't even know just how many about days. every day, like multiple one. times a day. We had at, at least, least three one. the day before y'all had four today. So you're responding to them often. Um, and you never know what you're going to get. Like, it could be like the same symptoms, but different different statements, different behavior, different levels of violence. Um, so there really are, I mean, they're an interesting call to try to navigate, especially if you end up running into it by yourself. Um, it's a really, I mean, it's a dangerous call to go on. Dangerous for us and dangerous for the person that we're responding to. Yeah, I mean, because you never know what, like, this person is dealing with. Like you said, the white, gray, black callers cars um but like we drive white vehicles what if we show up and they think that we're there to hurt them or something like that you know i had a couple people who just did not like it they thought i was there to harm them they thought i was there to like take them not to jail or to the hospital but take them somewhere like i don't know they couldn't convey to me where but they thought i was there to take them away and so like they think you're kidnapping them sometimes yeah yeah legitimately and they believe it yeah and and that can put somebody on the defensive i mean think about backing a dog into a corner you know like they they think that you're there to get them and they'll either try to defend themselves they'll be aggressive and you never know you never know like because they could be sitting there calm one minute and then just flip of a switch um, that reminds me of an incident that you and I actually handled, uh, back on task force day. And, um, so press, I don't know if we told you this story, but Jake and I got dispatched to a call of a man outside of like a local grocery store <clears throat> who was very paranoid, who was saying that people were out to kill him and there were cars following him all day long. He'd been calling for, I think a couple hours. And so we get out there and Jake's doing his thing. He's very good with um, people with mental issues. 
And so he's talking to him, and it's going kind of nowhere because he's constantly looking around, very, very paranoid, like the worst case I think I've ever seen. And after 45 minutes of talking to him, we decide, hey, if maybe you can... It was, dude, it was two separate calls. Like, we were talking to him so long that it was two separate calls. Yeah. Like, we ended up, we marked it. We were like, you know what? It got both of us to our wits end. And we got to the point where we were like, you know what, dude? If you don't want the help. And then we kind of, like, drove a block off, and we were like, okay. We have to go back. And so we like turned around. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just wanted the people to understand like we were there for that long. Like he was he was working us that bad. It it took so long and when we left, as we were driving away, we could see this dude go talk to the nearest person he could find, which is I think a construction worker, and just start going on and on and on to him about the situation that he's being followed, people trying to kill him, this not and whatnot. So we turn back around, and we talk to this dude for another, what, 30 minutes, 20 dude? Minutes, yeah. Trying to coax him. 20 minutes at least. Because he was in a severe state of paranoia. And so our plan was, let's get this dude to a hospital. Because he's walking around, no shoes, no shirt, just a pair of gym shorts. His feet are cut up. He's no telling how long he's been out there. He looks severely dehydrated. And so we were actually worried about not just his mental health, but his physical health. Because how long, because something happened to him. In, in the area that he was in, he would have been found for a while. And so our idea was to try to coax him into the car and go to the hospital. Didn't, some, didn't something happen where I almost had him in the car? Yeah. And he, like, backed out of it. Like, yeah. I, I, like, talked him into the backseat. <laughs> and then he was like, I changed my mind. Help, well, help. Well, we had the door closed. And once the door was shut, I think he felt like a caged animal. And he just started freaking out about it. And so we opened the door. We got him finally in there. And usually when you transport, you have to be in some sort of restraints just for their safety and our safety so that something doesn't happen. Well, it was, the decision was made to not use any restraints just to keep him as calm as absolute possible. Well, we get him to the hospital. After, he, he's he's kind of freaking out in the back of the car on the way, on the way there. Yeah, he wasn't bad. Like, he, he, was, he calmed he down was, a lot. He calmed down a lot. Like so, in my experience, when you put um somebody going through crisis in like handcuffs, or you mention the handcuffs or anything like that, it can either excite the situation, but sometimes it actually calms it down because it's like, okay, I'm calm. I'm good, and it's it's very it's a very weird psychology. Yeah, but it actually works, believe it or not. And when the first time I heard it, I was like, "Bullshit! Like that's not gonna work." But it it it's true. It's true. It actually works. Anyways, well, I, I remember thinking, like, I don't because if we try to put handcuffs on this guy before he gets in the car, he was he was a big stocky dude. He was probably five six and. He, like he country was, strong, yeah. Almost. He was yeah. like he was like a short Ronnie Coleman man. He was that dude was stacked, and I knew it was like we tried to force him in handcuffs. It would have been a fight. So we get him to the hospital and we get him in there, and the hospital security is standing there with us because we we had radioed ahead of time and said, "Hey, he's possibly combative. Can we have some assistance on the ramp?" So we get there, and the more 
a police presence, even though they're not the police or security guards at the hospital, they still have that presence as the police, some sort of authority figure. And so they sit there with us, and you got the officer, security officers walking by this dude constantly looking at him. I remember one dude, I think it was Officer Jones, I think his name was, said, why is he not in handcuffs? What he, is, is what he told us. Oh, and when, man, and when he, he heard not, the word handcuffs, he, he, he was already kind of like pacing back and forth inside the hospital. And he just freaked out. And we, Jake and I were able to grab him and just say, hey, man, calm down. Calm down, little Hulk. So we, we're going we're to help you out a little bit. But it did it did not help, dude. It was he just ramped yeah. it up again. We so he and I and also Josh a little bit. We had built a rapport with him. Like he was which like, is important. Like that's extremely scary. important with these with with a mental uh subject. Yeah. So we had that little bit of rapport, and we were talking to him. I was like, "Look, you know, it's gonna be fine." Blah blah blah. And so then, what was the mention? Like what? What ultimately just snapped? No, like, well, so well, I don't when, remember what it was. That so when when he mentioned handcuffs, right, and we're just we're just holding on to him, trying to calm him down. The security guard just made a decision to do a takedown in the middle of the hospital, and so he oh yeah, yeah just out of the blue because yeah we do we have him no he wasn't in, he he refused to sit down so he, yeah we're sitting there with him and. He was, we're kind of like calming down. He's still kind of bucking just a little bit, not nothing crazy. The security officer comes up and does like a double leg takedown, puts him on the ground. And so, yeah, we're, straight here, on so we're here, we are fighting this dude who's like ridiculously strong. Like it was nuts. And we got nurses just watching five, five or six security guards, like on top of this dude. The one bro, that, listen, I'm trying to stay professional, but she had me so. The nurse pissed off. No, the one officer that was helping us, who was like, "Let me get my gloves oh, on." She first. was beside me, dude. So I'm hold. So he's on his back, and I'm holding his arm just to try to keep him from flailing. And he reaches up and starts biting. He starts chomping, he starts, bro. He, he almost bit me. So I'm holding his forehead chomping. down. And I look over, and the female security guard who was beside me released all control she had on this dude because her glove broke. She's asking a nurse like. To I get her latex gloves, freaking out, dude. Trying to get latex gloves. Not everybody's ridiculous. built for the job. It, uh, you know, uh, that's all I have to say about and that. Not everybody's bro, built for this shit. We had it, a nurse come not. up that's with like the, the different subject. Bed. Not everybody's built for it. A completely different episode, everybody. But <laughs> to end the end the story, we had a nurse come up and was like, "We need to get him up." And what what, what did you say? She. Was like we need to get him on the gurney. Like they wanted to get him on a hospital bed so bad. It's a comfort and, zone. Yeah, he was not comfortable. <laughs> he was pissed. I was like, he needs some ketamine no, or something. Him. That's the nurse's comfort zone. Well, yeah, that it's a false sense of security. Yeah. I was like, he needs medication. I was like, I was like, knock him the fuck out. Excuse me, but I was like, yo, put him in a K hole. Yeah. Because I was like, bro. No, I mean, it's it was. And look, we 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 laugh. We're, we're, we talked about this before. Like we take these very seriously. We we care about these people. Um, we do. We care about our safety. We care about these these nurses and doctors that also have to deal with the EMS people that show up on these scenes. Let me tell you, I could not do that job. I could not do the job of an EMS person because they deal with a lot of the same people we do, and they don't get to carry a gun or a taser or yeah. handcuffs or anything like that. They do get ketamine, which I wish we could use, <laughs> uh, or some of these other things. 
Um, not used, but like used on people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jesus Christ, man. It, I think they got what I was saying. But they don't have a lot of the tools we have, and we don't have a lot of tools they have, so we have to work together on it. But the level of some of the like the the severity of these and like they were just talking about the the guy that just elected on a takedown and we talked on this last episode there will be people that come on your scene whether you can control it or not that will escalate the situation when it comes to mental health patients it is hard to de-escalate and easy to escalate when it comes to somebody that emotionally disturbed person or somebody who is in crisis situation is so easy to escalate and if it escalates it is so hard to de-escalate yeah and and that is like that's your danger moment when it when it when it goes from nothing to everything in two seconds there's almost a point of no return we talked about this last episode you're doing too much crack a beer homie okay bro um there's almost a point of no return there is absolutely and you know what's funny like the like the lady we all responded to at the hotel yeah all of us were there and we we tried our Artists to de-escalate. We all gave it a go. What, which lady though? We were all there. Okay, the remind us. Okay, the <laughs> six hundred pound. Oh, yeah. When I tell you, when I tell you, <laughs> we called everybody from the entire area that we work in to give it a shot because we knew it wasn't going to go well. We called everybody in, people who were trained specifically, people who thought they could level with her. Um, people who are generally extremely good with mental health calls. Like I've seen these people de-escalate the most escalated person. We called everybody and it did not work. So when you get to that point, it's just like, what do we even do? You run out of options. And sometimes the unpleasant option is the best one to go with. Mm -hmm. Cause you got EMS that shows up on scene and they're like, she has to get on the hospital bed. Well, she attacked them. She attacked us. She peed she on me. Scratched. She attacked you. She, she peed on me. She peed on me, dude. Uh, 100%. <laughs> and then she sure peed on me. On purpose. She said it was on purpose. And she was like, how do you like that? I'm also on my menstrual cycle. And it's like, I threw those pants away. The intention was, the in- again, we're laughing because it was surreal. The we're, lady needed help. She's banned. This lady, to, to, to further on this, she's banned from hospitals. That is her, from, from talking to the doctors, that is her, like, even line. Like, it gets worse than that. Um, and some of it is intentional, but she, she does have mental health issues. Um, she's, she's so large and, and violent that, that ketamine didn't even work. Um, we we tried everything. We, think, we tried everything. They hit her with two doses, didn't they? They did. I think 400, they 400 mics. That's a lot, too. Yeah. But she, but she would go from the mic a milligram. Yeah. Okay. She would go it's from just the silent treatment to just berating everyone on scene with every word and name literally and slur she could come up with. Literally. Well, we had a so this was a this was a black female, and we had another black female make the scene, and um, he approached her with kind of, and this the the black female that the 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 officer who made the scene. This is one of those people that she is unreal with. I've seen her talk somebody down that had a knife to their throat. Like she is unreal talented at speaking with people. Um, he, this lady, she she shows up. And she's like, "Hey, how are you? Like, I'm this person. Um, well, how can we help you? Like, let's let's figure this out." 
and she said, "Shut up, you black bitch." And the officer turned yeah. around. She was like, I don't, "You're black." Like, <laughs> like oh, oh my okay, God. didn't expect it to go that way. And yeah. like, we're like, "All right, let's try something else." Like, we're like, gonna help you. But... Uh, it, it just nothing. We tried. There was no like, "All right, let's." Yeah, let's level. Forth, like, we're trying to like. The FBI was trying to kill her brother, and we were here to like take her and her brother to jail. Like, where's your? We took all of her. She also said we gave her F's in high school, and we (laughs) were selling her men to other female. I mean, there was no, there was no reason. The only option was the hospital. It was like using a little bit of force and going to the hospital. Yeah, and when we say force, it's not like we're just like working this lady over. No, it was holding down wrists. We is what it came down to. to. Get her up. A lot of us. To get her up and place her on this hospital bed, and then use the soft restraints they had on the gurney to keep her from biting, scratching, and pulling. I, my hand got cut up from her. I got with cut her, up with her nails. Yeah. yeah, it's literally just classified by our department as a use of force, even though we didn't really do anything other than just restrain. No, it ended up not time. being a use of force. Because oh, really? No, yeah, no, no I, thought it, I thought it was. I think the force. I, but what I meant was the force that we used was we making made, her we actually put her on the gurney, on the gurney and we used so. soft restraints, which is like soft restraints. If you're not familiar, it's like strength and cheesecloth. It's not. We didn't use handcuffs. Um, like very padded. Yeah. And the reason she had to be transported, the reason we had to get EMS is because she wouldn't fit in the back of a patrol car. Um. But again, this is somebody that she did not need jail. She needed treatment, and we had to figure out a way to get her there because she's barricaded herself in a hotel room, causing property damage. Um, tried to burn me with a cigarette. This is, but this is somebody that like we chose not to take the criminal route. We chose to try to find this lady help. So my question is, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there talk about? Uh, we should get social workers to do this, or mm-hmm. somewhere was saying that they're going to get social workers okay. to answer calls. That's like a this? national. I mean, this is this is an argument, and honestly, this was kind of my idea. I think um, when we talked about it last week of having this as an episode, that's kind of what sparked my idea for talking about mental health. Is I think there's like a, a whole part of the country that thinks that us as officers should not be responding. And we could talk about that too, about more training. And I mean, you've been through the training, but more training and stuff like that for us. But I think there's a whole part of the country that thinks that social workers, people who are like psychologists that, you know, this Linda Teplin should be responding to these calls as an unarmed social worker and not us. If I'm not mistaken, there are a few departments around the country that actually did that. Yeah, there was one up north and... Did they get killed? The first time, the first day they established it, somebody got stabbed. Day one. Yeah, see? That was the first and last call, huh? And it's not necessarily just us being equipped for it, like, with our with our Batman belts, but like just because we can handle... Excuse me. Just because we've been in numerous situations, yeah. we... We have developed this skill. I'll call it a skill because I ultimately I think it is where we can like maintain and manage a certain level of stress where, you know, some things don't phase us as fast or um, as hard. It doesn't affect us as hard as it would somebody who's never been in a situation like that. Like like us getting called names 
or you know just all of that stuff spit on like we've developed a little bit a little bit of a tolerance for those kinds of situations now do i think do i think that there's an option do i think that there's like a way in the future i'm not saying i don't hear those people i'm not saying that i don't think there's not like a way that we could respond with a crisis unit it's been done where we're there and the crisis unit is there but i don't think people understand the volume between actual mental health ptsd drug-induced edp uh emotionally disturbed person shorten it with edp um between the amount like i would say i would 40 percent, 30 percent of our calls involve a, a mental subject and it could be something as simple as like a parking issue like you get on scene you're in like a really nice part of town and i think you know this is a good a good bridge to cover with with us between the civilian world we'll respond to a call like and and when we think it's something simple and we start talking to the person that called they're like yeah they park in my driveway and these gnomes come out and they they block the driveway at night and they're watching drilled holes in my you're like this this is a uh housewife this is somebody and you don't know if it's drug induced you don't know if this is like um a mental health issue that this person has struggled from because they're significant as other isn't there to be like hey yeah she suffers from schizophrenia so you're trying to like figure it out on the fly you have no idea like it comes out as like a a, a civil matter or like a miscellaneous complaint and you show up and you're like oh they're not in their right mind like something else is going on here right. and i'm by myself and they're like, ma'am, there's nothing I can do because it's a parking issue. And all of a sudden they're like, well, I'm going to get a butcher knife. <laughs> I'm going to handle it myself. Whoa. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. To 100 real yeah. quick. Uh, and it's like immediate. Yeah, it's, it can go because, I mean, you got to think everything in your house ultimately becomes a weapon. Like the knives that you just spread peanut butter and jelly on your bread with, like, can be a weapon, you know, just something that little, and that's everyday household items. So it's like, is the person armed? Well, not technically, but or not currently, right? Or yeah. not right now. But you get there, and they're standing in the kitchen making a sandwich, and you're like, okay, <laughs> hey, how about you come talk to me over here in the living room, like away from the kitchen, because. There's everything in there. I don't know if you can throw a knife. Like, that's a thing. You can, people throw knives all the time. You yeah, ever seen John Wick? Like, like, yeah. The, um, talking about drug induced um, mental issues and just like not having enough information going on a call. I went on one today where the comments for the call that we had was my friend is having a bad trip. I'm thinking, oh, college kids, he's having a good time. Maybe took some acid. Something, you know, further senses, whatever. So we get there, and it was a bachelorette party. They all took edibles. And <laughs> one friend was not doing good. And so I hear, in my partner, hear, like, uh, like rambling going on. She's, like, speaking a different language. She's, like, making up random words in the back. So we go back there. And I see this female, probably like mid twenties, just sitting down, all calm, looking around. All her friends are beside her. 
And all of a sudden, she starts throwing haymakers like she's Chuck Liddell and starts smoking everyone inside the room. It's Oh, it turned physical just it like turned that? Physical oh, my just God. Like, and she started. And then within three seconds, she was like, what are you guys doing here? And we're like, hey, um, you know, I have to explain who I was and who I worked for and introductions. Like, what's going on today? And then she just fell silent. And then EMS got there. Silent treatment. We tried to stand her up. She starts cutting up. Starts throwing those handmakers again. So we have to put handcuffs on her. As soon as the handcuffs go on, she blanks out, dead weight, laying on the floor, won't get up. So when should we have to like walk this person like down this long flight of stairs? And she is on throws on a different planet, man. So we're walking top of stairs. Like take a step. Takes one enormous step straight out. And I'm like, no, no, please. And we have to like fireman carry this lady down. Dude, it was oh my god. It was bad. And it was oh. and you know what's funny to me is is like what training? So what training could we have that would prepare you for that situation? There's none. I'm, I'm like, gonna say none. That's, that's just so, experience. There's no and that's the and that's the worst part, right? is with this whole and i don't want to get political okay i'm just saying with the the state of the world and how everybody's all the defund the police and everything like that and we don't get trained enough a lot of this shit we can't get trained on like there's there's only so much there's only so many like little training sessions or simulations that we can go through a sane person can't pretend to be emotionally disturbed. Exactly. So where I do think we could get social workers involved is working with us, maybe in the classroom. Notice things, maybe? Maybe, like, well, just talking about, like, maybe trigger words, common things. Because we do see some similarities. Like, even though every situation is so different, we do see some, like, or we've heard this before, or we do recognize like this usage of, of verbiage or this drug causes this. Like maybe we could work with the social workers with that PTSD, responding to a veteran that has suffered severe PTSD or loss or, uh, you know, combat trauma. Like maybe we could work with social workers like that and they can respond with us. But a level of training that prepares you just for emotionally disturbed person, somebody that you show up. And it goes from like, hey, hey guys, I called you because there's somebody standing in my cornfield. And then they pull a knife and they charge you. There's no training for that. There's not. It's the only training that, that can go with that is you and your partner communicating lethal and less lethal. Like, right. there's no level of training that prepares you for zero to 100. And there's no level of training that prepares you for variety. The variety that a mental call brings. Right. There's just not, and 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 we can do as many uh, sim simulations. We can do as many like um, let's walk through this and talk through this as you want, and it could help, but it's not going to prepare you for every call. There's no way. No, you can't prepare for the person that just you're like casually walking them and they're acting normal, and then all of a sudden they throw themselves over the store balcony walking them down the stairs. That reminds me, we went to a call, and this is, this was like 2017, maybe, maybe 2018, but I want to say it was like 2017, 
we went to a group home for young females okay so when we get there um we're talking she tried to cut her wrist with a porcelain mug um so with she porcelain ceramic it, sharp it can be yeah <laughs> it can be not this one but not this one okay. yeah she she nor the porcelain were sharp <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> she no she was just she was looking for attention there was nothing there was nothing actually wrong with her i just mean she wasn't intelligent because the way that she was going about trying to get her attention she had a lot she was throwing a temper tantrum they're they're young like 13 to like 15 16 17 year old females and it's I'm, a group, I know where you're it's a group about. home. Yeah, like they live in this giant home and so they cry Frequent. for attention. So but anyways, so she's in there and she's like, "Okay, I'll go with you because you guys know whenever somebody like attempts, I'm using air quotes, attempts to take their life, we have to like do the report, take them to the hospital or even states. Yeah, even so So we get to the top of the stairs and she just says F it and face first down the stairs. Face first down the stairs. She jumped down the stairs. What prepares you for that? No steps. You're like second. That's a long fall. Yeah, you're like second. Maybe she I'll go on I'll go on a limb out here and say that maybe she was serious. She she just because that'll do it. Where where were you standing? Behind or you were like were you able to like maybe catch in the front or no, so I think I think one of the an officer that's no longer with the department had already walked down the stairs, and me and another officer who just recently left were at the top of the stairs, and we were like, "All right, come on!" And she kind of walked over and then just decided that she wanted to nosedive down the stairs, and so she did, and that was, but like, so I'm saying all that to circle back to like I said, experience, dude. No, no training on this planet pray for any no like that and that was that was probably like a year if not a little bit more after the academy which is six months there i mean their experience is the only thing um it's solid. and i like I, I want people to like understand the when i say variety like we responded to mental health calls that end so incredibly peacefully and you're like you walk away feeling good you're like oh i just I've really helped that person like, uh, either whether it was the hospital or um, get like showing the family, like maybe ways to better deal with it. You also deal with ones like I responded to one where a guy was chasing people around with a knife and in my head, and this was like, I think I was one month on the street in my head. I'm thinking I've seen all the videos, right? And I'm sure the people listening have seen the videos of Police officers responding, they get charged with the guy with the knife and they have to shoot. And that's all that's playing in my head. And uh, I get there and the dude's, sure enough, he's holding a butcher knife in one hand and like a fillet knife, like a fish fillet knife, Mm -hmm. but like eight or nine inches in the other hand. And he's got a a hoodie on, tied tight around his face, and he's standing at the top of this like balcony. Balcony, it's like leading to some restrooms, outdoor restrooms. And it's just me and him. And um, I thought other units had responded. 
and it was miscommunication. He's standing on this ledge. Everybody's locked themselves behind these doors, and it's just me and him. They're all like pointing at him, and I round the corner, and he's like heavy breathing, like something out of a movie. Like, mm. and he's got one knife in each hand. Which one here? No, and I pull my gun out, and I'm like, I think I'd have to go back and watch, but I think I was like, come on, man, don't do it. <laughs> you know, like I'm just like, God, please no, because I'm just thinking like, there's no way, there's no way that right now this is like already this is the call I'm responding to. And he looks at me, he doesn't say anything. And I'm like, hey man, like I'm officer so-and-so and, and um, just, just come on, man, talk to me. What's going on? Like, please don't do this. And he's just heavy breathing. And he's looking at me and then he looks down at my gun. And he looks at me and he looks down at my gun. And he says, he puts the knives down. And I'm like, all right, look, man, just step away from him. Hold on to that rail and I'm calling for backup. I'm like, just hold on to that rail. Don't move. Hold on to the rail. He looks at me. He still doesn't say anything. I'm like, what's your name? Nothing. Doesn't say anything. Looks at me. Looks at the gun. Looks at me. Let's go of the rail. Starts walking back towards the knives. And I'm like, God, please, man. Come on, man. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, I don't want to do this. Backup shows up and guy kind of walks up and he goes, well, what do we got? I'm like, dude with knives. <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, okay. All right. And so I'm still trying to talk this dude down. Eventually, he lets us put him in handcuffs, and he's like, "I didn't want, I didn't want to uh, come with y'all, and I, I, I definitely wanted to." Like he like said, like I wanted to do more, like I wanted to stab someone, but getting shot hurts. <laughs> and I was like, "You've been shot before?" He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> and he's like, "And I didn't want to get shot again." And it was like that, <laughs> that was, was like, like his response was, he saw my gun, and like that's what changed it like there was nothing i could have said i could have kept my gun in the holster and been like talk to me man you know and nothing would have changed but that gun being out of my and i wasn't even pointing at him i had it at low ready at my chest but that gun is what he looked at it and he looked at me and he looked at it if it had been a social worker that it had been a different story that day what, what i've realized doing this job and, and dealing with these type of calls that no mental situation or ever like no two calls are the same never almost every single time where i would say every time circumstances are always different every single time i will say going off of what um preston just said when i get to a call i do like to read it a little bit and kind of see what i'm dealing with and i have a like a certain couple things that i'll do um if i'm wearing sunglasses i'll take them off you can see my eyes. You can see that I'm addressing you, right? I'll introduce myself as officer so-and-so, but then I'll also say, well, my name is Jake. Um, you can call me Jake. What can I call you? Um, just to try to bridge that gap and say, hey, like, we're the same. We're on a first-name yeah. basis. This is I'm Jake. What's your name? And I like to try to enunciate and provide enough time for them to respond right so i'll say something and i may take a couple like a couple second pause and just let them take it in a little bit and decide do i want to respond and then i'm like gauging the situation myself while we're doing all that you know as much black as i give jake and as much <laughs> as much crap as i talk about the man he's probably one of the best 
people to speak and be on a scene with when it deals with people with mental crises. He he knows how to talk them down. He can he knows their language, man. Yeah, he's it, a whisperer for sure. I think it might be because he's probably, he's probably he, one himself. He walks among them <laughs> at least twice oh, a day. Funny. No, but <laughs> it, he yeah he is very good at it. I don't I don't know if there is a solution. Um, I think it's one of the reason I'm I'm pretty passionate about narcotics. Um, because I know that's a huge play into it. Another thing that I've really tried to, I don't know, I, I talk to a lot of people about is like long-term mental health facilities, um, which we don't have. I know a lot of big cities got rid of. I don't know if it's a money thing. I don't know if it was a, a politics thing. I don't, I, don't, I don't know why. I really don't. But most mental health facilities will only keep you for 72 hours. Our closest one is hours and hours and hours away that keeps people long-term. And it's like family has to bring them or it has to be court-ordered. There are not many places that somebody with a serious mental disability, because we deal with, like some of these people are, are nor, like uh, regulars that yeah. we deal with. We're like, oh, I know this person. Oh, I've dealt with this person. I, sometimes just by the call, I'm like, oh, it's them. Like I know who this is that I'm going to respond, which is good because I know how I'm going to respond to it. But also, it'll be a few times a week. We have no options. Like there's so many things that that a lot of I think maybe civilians or or the public kind of blame us for um, in the way we handle things. But we don't have too many options. Like there's not so many, there's not too many things that we can do to help these people. We do really have just those three options we brought in in the beginning, which is hospital, which is 72 hours, yeah. max, an arrest. Or a come on, man, pull it together, get out of here. Like yeah. an informal, an informal event. We don't have many options, and it is pretty tough. I think what I've seen happening more recently is that you have these establishments around the area that are supposed to be solely for people with mental issues, right? Like parents get schizophrenia, bipolar, whatever their issue is. It's supposed to be a, a semi-long-term facility, like a care facility. They get their meds on a regular on a regular uh, time, and they have a doctor and psychiatrist on standby. What I've seen more recently is that that same hospital or care facility will call us if they get too um what am I looking for? If they get too violent, yeah. rambunctious, yeah. and they call us to take them to the local hospital's psych facility. And I was like, isn't that the purpose of your care facility? to help these individuals out with it and what i've started to see is that nobody really wants to deal with these kind of people anymore. Or, or they'll know the key words to say to get them out of there that's that's what i was about to say is a lot of times when we deal with regulars like people that we know we've been in contact with multiple times it's like you show up on scene and it's almost a routine for them it's almost like a dance. Like, hey, what's what's going on today? Oh, I want to kill myself. You're like, that's like the first okay. word out of their mouth. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad, and that's what I was saying about do people like overuse the system or abuse it? And sometimes it's like, oh, my medicine ran out, and I can't afford, or I don't want to go buy more, so oh, I want to kill myself today. So I can go get my medicine, which is sad. Yeah. But I can't. I, honestly, I can't blame them. We we have a, because that, I put that on the system. 
a lot of money goes to a lot of the wrong things and that's one of the, in my opinion and this is this is going like now we're we're just talking Preston when it comes to special needs I'm talking and I have family members that are special needs when it comes to special needs and when it comes to mental health a lot of money goes to the wrong places it goes to people who are working age working able males who could be out in the workforce providing for their family and instead they're they're pulling from the system when it could be people who have no choice or have been a victim of, you know, PTSD, mental health issues, or special needs such as autism, somewhere on the spectrum, or undiagnosed mental health issues, and they can't. They it's almost impossible. From like, and I'm talking like from elementary school on, they're getting no help at any point in time, and. We have no, we have no, we have, we're like, all, we're all shoulders. We're shrugging at them. We're like, these are our three options, man. Like, uh, you know, we have moms that call us that can't control their, their, their son that has Down syndrome because they've become violent. And yeah. I don't have any answers for them. I'm like, you can use this thing that I heard about because I have a family member that has special needs. Or I'll call up a family member like, hey, what's that website that they offer extra help? But as far as like things that we can provide... We have, we have very little. I have, I have like a worksheet that I can give them with limited resources that the department will, I think it partners with other stuff around like the town to help them out, but it's like very limited resources. But there was a, a dude, he's an older gentleman, probably in his 60s, 70s. He was a regular, almost an everyday regular of ours. Um, and I remember like one, one week, I saw him every single day at work. Is it a white guy? Yep. Um, Yep, okay. yep, there is. And so seeing him for a week straight, every single day I'd have to take him to the hospital. And he'd always say, as soon as I walk in there, hey, Mr. Blank, what, what's going on today? I want to kill him. Oh, I know exactly. You're and, I, and I would say, well, what's going on? He's well, in his like 70s or 80s yeah. now. And I would say, hey, what, you know, what's, what's going on? I just want to kill myself. Well, why? Can I, can I help you? No, nope, just want to kill myself. Well, after, and after it got to a routine with him. Kitchen knives. Yeah. And it got to that's a routine what he, what he said. where I didn't really want to hear what he had to say anymore. You know, it was like, I started blocking him out. And it wasn't until I had like legitimately listened to this dude. And it's probably the saddest thing I've ever heard in a long time. He, the only reason he's calling the police and wants to kill himself is because he needs his medication. And he can't afford it. Yeah. And so he goes to the hospital and hopes they will give him a new prescription for 30 days, whatever, whatever they'll give him. And that the dude is lonely. His family's out of town. His brother has nothing to do with him. And obviously his parents are dead. He doesn't have any kids. And he's lonely. He's got mental, he's got mental issues going on, health issues. And it's, it's sad. And what's wild is he was successful. Yeah. This person that we're talking about. For a long he time. He was like a, a university professor. Um, he had, like, he had a family, like there, there was, there was things that like were very successful in his, in his life. And, um, and now he lives in like a rundown, rundown apartment and a relatively it's not decent. A very good. No, it's, it's, it's no. like pay by cash at the money, but in the month. he dropped. Yeah. Like one time when we were on the, in route to the hospital, he cried and begged me to stop at a mailbox so he could drop his slumlord off check. And I was like, I was like, sir, where like you're in the back of my car. Like I can't just drop off checks for you. And he was like, you don't understand. I have to. Yeah. 
So I did. I, I asked him which mailbox, grabbed it, ran it over there to him, notified my rank, and yeah. they were cool with it. And I, I just went ahead and did it. And he literally, like, he's asked me before, no handcuffs? I was like, at this point, sir, <laughs> I used his no, name because I know him. We know you well. Enough. I was like, at this, at this point, no. We're just going to go, which hospital are you wanting to go to today? And we walked in and they said, he was here earlier. Like, well, he we're here again. Up, you know, like, we're here again. He begged me one time to not leave him and just to hang out with him just for an hour so he wasn't so lonely. Again, there's no training for something like that. There's it, just no training. Dude, it's heartbreaking, man. It, it, it really is. is dealing with something like that. Because you really, you really feel for him, and you just like what he's going through, and you just try to put yourself in his shoes just for like six hours. Yeah, that's rough, man. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Josh. Like, it just takes a second for us to kind of step back and like look at the situation. Like, once we know more, and once you knew the entirety of the situation and you were able to kind of like put yourself in his shoes like you're like okay i see why he's doing what he's mm -hmm. doing and i understand but whereas like maybe somebody from society would be like oh he's abusing the system he's wasting resources he's doing this that and the third and and at some point i think that's kind of a bad thing because we're not doing this person justice at all right ultimately we're here to try to help people and try to resolve situations despite how little they are mm. or how little they are to us because somebody's calling the police they had the forethought to be like this matters right so to them they're like this is a crisis to me I need this resolved and I need the police's help. They have to have some kind of answers. So that's just a little bit of thought that I was having sitting here. um, just kind of like taking myself out of my position and just being like, wow, as a civilian, I would have thought this, I would have felt this, yeah. but being on this side, it's kind of like giving a whole new kind of light for situations like this yeah and going back to it's circling back to the point you've been making pretty much the entire podcast is that there's no training and it's all experience because now we can use that experience for maybe the next call we get to go into hey let me take a step back maybe this is not what it seems let's look deeper and see if we can help this person with whatever whatever they need yeah, and it's not necessarily like there's no training because there's always training about something, right? We can always train something. We can always we can always train, but ultimately, if you're not out there dealing with these situations or anything like that, then you know, it just it's just hard to get that exposure, you know, and I would say working at a smaller department or something like that, you know, would limit your knowledge, your resources, and stuff like that to calls. So I think um, with that being said, does anybody have anything else they want to say? Are we going to wrap it up here? I, I think 
with our department and with a lot of departments, there's some things that specifically could be done as far as training. I think one of them is like, we talk about like how to identify different kinds of mental health issues. Like I said, I have family members that are special needs. Okay. Some of those things can present kind of strange. And um, this one, this, this kind of gets personal for me. Autism can present a lot of different ways. It's, it's a huge spectrum, right? Um, but they can be quick to anger. They can have sensory issues where they like, so you show up lights and sirens and you're being kind of loud and you're trying to figure out what's going on. And maybe the parent hasn't recognized it or doesn't tell you they have autism, things like that. Like you can escalate the situation on accident. So like I said, last episode, if you're calling because you're, you need the police to help with something with a mentally disturbed person or somebody with special needs, like be very specific, give us the diagnosis that you know, any issues that might be going on with that person. And then if you're from the outside looking in, like we talked about with uses of force, like understand that we, we do care. And I would say the majority of officers do care about the people that we are going hands-on with, that we're dealing with. Um, and we want to see this end as peacefully and as less, as less, what's the word I'm looking for? As little force as possible. We want to get that person the help they need whether it's a mental situation or a special needs situation. And we want to walk away with everybody in the same situation they were when we, when we got there. Um, and it's a hard situation to deal with, but I, you know, I think most officers were just, we're doing our best. We really are. I think the word you were looking for was peaceful. You want to, you want to end it as peacefully as possible. Yeah. That sounds like, <laughs> that's a good word. I mean, I think that's every situation, but yeah, peacefully. I gotcha. So um, I think this would be a good place to kind of end it. Um, I know that I wanted to say thank you guys for your support. Thank you for tuning in with us and hanging out um, and being here with us while we grow. This is going to be the end of episode two, and I'm already so excited to do this with you guys. You guys have anything you want to say? Oh, appreciate y'all. I want to say thank you guys for all the support and love you've given us so far. Yeah, so um, this is going to conclude episode two. Um, I look forward to this journey, this ride, and uh, come back Saturday for Table Scraps. It's going to be a good one. And if you're, if you're going through anything or you're dealing with anything, whether it's a mental health issue um, or suicidal ideations, anything like that, don't be afraid to look for help. Uh, reach out whether it's a family member, the suicide helpline, um, anything that you may or, or may not feel like you need, talk to somebody, get, get the help, um, and don't be afraid to reach out. A lot of people are going through it, um, whether it's you or a loved one, find them help, find yourself help, and, uh, and keep pushing. Uh, we appreciate y'all. And don't forget, guys, if you have any questions or comments or concerns, please reach out to us at etodproductions at gmail.com, as well as follow us on our Instagram at etodproductions. That'll do it for now. Y'all have a good night.